Blog Talk Radio. Come on, put your hands together. Great is the Lord. Of all of that. 
you, you know, Greg, the thing that was so uh, intriguing and just, you know, you, you know it was God that did it. But did you hear about the man who was pulled from the rubble, you know, just the other day? I mean, three weeks after, almost a month after this thing happened, and someone's pulled from the rubble. And well, the man kept saying that someone in a white coat, a man in a white coat, brought me water every day. And nobody's been able to even locate this man in a white coat. And they said that they believed the man was delusional. And they also said that there was no way humanly possible that he could have gone without water for three weeks. Mm. You know? And so it just tells you that, you know, God is real and he's alive. And that he's still taking care of us. You know, because I don't care what anybody else may think. I believe the man in the white coat was the man upstairs. And I mean the man upstairs by being Jesus. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and you can debate me, you can decide what you want to decide, but I know what I think and I know what I believe. Yes. You Brian, know, let's try that. Brian, can you try to let's try to bring her in one more time. I all right, let's her. see. And that is the two six two. Okay, hold on. All right, two six two. Is this Marilyn? Okay, maybe this one is not Marilyn. Yeah, probably somebody else. All right, let's, let's try the other number here. Eight five zero, you're live. Hello, this is Marilyn. Hey, ah, okay, we got the right number. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was on before and I was talking away, and I was like, "Thank you, me. <laughs> we were just we bragging were on the wrong you. Number. We apologize. I know, but they done gave me the bomb introduction. I'm ready to talk. I can say a word. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. No, it's That's all okay. it's purely our fault, and we apologize. That has not happened. That's though. all right. That's all right. <laughs> but you know what? You know what, Marilyn? We we talked about you, and we talked about all the things that you're doing, and we talked about the books that you have and, and the faith, and that's just so important. But I wanted to ask you this one question. With all of the assignments that you have been given, how does it feel to know that God strategically chose you to do these assignments? How does that feel? It's amazing. It's a lot of pressure. But like when I go and talk to kids, I tell all of them, and I think I heard Dr. King's daughter say it first, that there is one question in the earth that only you can answer. And if you don't answer it, it's not going to get done. And so that always stuck with me, that I can't do everything, but I can do something. So I think the hardest thing for me is to stay in my lane because I got – friends that are fabulous and they're doing all this stuff, and I'm like, oh, that sounds good, this sounds good, oh, that sounds good. And, but you really have to always just keep praying and go, that sounds good, but is that what God told me to do? And that's hard sometimes because there are good things that you could do, but they're not the best thing for you. Right. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, it's funny, I was talking to a friend tonight, and he was saying how, and and I guess this is in the context of, like, being a manager or being in charge of something. And, you know, we were discussing the topic of how some managers don't know how to manage people. And the one thing he said, he said, the way that you can measure yourself is how well you do things that are assigned to you or things that you're supposed to do and how well you do them. And he says, take it, for instance, a good manager will find just the the person that you wouldn't be able to, that you wouldn't expect could do those type of things, but he'd find something in that person that they could do. He said, even if it was a person who couldn't walk that well and they had to work on a construction site, he might assign that person to walk around with a magnet and pick up nails off the ground because that's a good job. He could save mm-hmm. nails and he could also prevent someone from stepping on it. So he says, you have to find the best. Mm-hmm out of people, you know, what What do you feel people see in you? Wow, that's hard. <laughs> I, I really don't know because I try not to analyze myself or 
get too self-focused because I think that's a scary place to be. But I, I know that I try to keep it holy and keep it real. I try to be honest. I try to be I, – people would say that I'm funny, I think. Um, I, my husband is funny. My kids are funny. So we laugh a lot. But we often laugh about talking about very serious things. And I think that sometimes in the church we take ourselves very seriously, more mm-hmm. seriously sometimes than we take God. So I try to take him serious and not so serious on myself. So I don't know. I think they would th- say that I'm funny. That I don't know. There's, that could it depend on who you ask. That could go a number of different ways. <laughs> but I would hope they would have good things to say. Yes, I'm. I, you know what? I'm sure they will. With all of the stuff that you're doing, and we're looking. We, we've we've been on your site, and we've just taken a look. How many sites do you have? Because I saw it, it's just so much. <laughs> it's so much. It's a lot. It is. It is. So I mean, all they have to do it's is. A lot. Yeah, they can Google your name and they see all these books that you have. And, and I want to ask you about the one, Sister Faith. You yeah. know, when you, when you wrote this book and you got the, top, the, the, the title for this book or whatever, did you write this book based on your struggles and to, to hold on to your faith? It was. It really was a compilation of some friendships that I had. First guy gave me that word, and I didn't know what it meant. And I was like, hmm. And then it came to me, I was sitting somewhere, and people were talking about having tea and kind of the whole lace collar, start suit kind of thing, and we're sisters in the faith. And and it just came to me like, yeah, you sisters in the faith, but sometimes you need a sister. You Uh-oh. need somebody that you can rip all that and crack the cup and be like, I'm going through. I need some help. And that was kind of really what God showed me, I say, it's not chicken soup for the Christian woman's soul. It's kind of Prozac. So it's time to really get honest that, yes, we are saved. God is, you know, loving us. But we've all been through some things, and there's a lot of younger women coming into the church now, and sometimes they look up there and see these perfect people, and they can't relate to that. They, they're like, I, I, I'm not like them. I'll never be like them. There's no way for me to follow God. And so Sister Faith was really about us lifting up our church dresses just a little bit to say, there's a scar on my leg too, baby. I've been where you are, and God brought me to where I am, and he's going to bring you up here too. So it was just kind of having that, you know, it says in Revelation that we overcome the evil one by the blood of Jesus and the word of our testimony. And, you know, we don't do that anymore the testimony services where the, where the old ladies come down and say what they've been through in the week. People don't want to hear that. Everybody just want to say, I'm blessed. It's all good. So it was really just being more honest and saying, you know, on a healing note, this is what I've been through, and then this is what God did as a result of that. And a lot of people are writing back, sending emails saying, Wow, somebody understands. I was thinking I'm just the only one, and they're not. You know, it's amazing. I was talking to a friend the other day, and we were both laughing about how when we were young, we would hear the mothers get up, and they would talk about the same exact thing that (laughs) they were, you know, that, you know, every time they do devotion, it was my determination. I'm going to tell everybody my determination. My determination is with the Lord. And, you know, I asked, I said, do you really know what she was talking about? And my friend was like, no, I had no idea. Did you know what she was talking about? I was like, I didn't even know what the word determination meant when I was that young, you know. But it was like the same lady would get up and say the same thing every week, and nobody would get healed. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. And so I can recall that um, my church did a men's uh, meeting, and some brothers got up and gave some heartfelt testimonies about how their lives had been changed and transformed, and it helped. You know, so right. when I when I hear about this book and Sister Faith and how, you know, you're being straight up real, yeah, I can relate to that because I've seen it, I've been a witness to it, and I've done it myself. And I can tell you firsthand the benefits, you know, and the feedback that you get is tremendous, you know. I think that's And what just, really surprised me, too, was the men. You know, I really pitched this towards women, but when we had the first conference, I went on TV here locally in Tallahassee, Florida, 
And there were men calling in on those shows saying that book might be called Sister Faith, but that happened to me. Mm-hmm. And um, it really showed me that it's really about families because both women and men have had things happen. And for men, it's so much harder for them to talk about those things. Yes, it is. And so it, it, it's something that it really is just a family-wide and a church-wide thing because a lot of times people just reach this point where they're struggling with stuff, and then we see pastors fall, and we see people fall, and nobody ever knew, nobody could keep them accountable, and the struggles that they have are often rooted in something that nobody ever knew about. Yes, yes. You know, and that's that's a, a perfect segue into a question that I'm sure you've been asked many times. Um, as I read about you, I've, I, and I, you know, I'm reading this, and Greg and I, have done this show for just about almost three years now, and it's it's almost to our shock and amazement the number of women who have been victimized. And so I want to ask you, and without being too personal, to just talk about what that experience has done for you as a Christian author and as a person of faith. I think what it has done for me, for one thing, I had to learn to recognize who I was in Christ and the worth in Christ and really relating to God as a father. And I've met a lot of women who can relate, you know, to Jesus the King, but the God the Father and relating to other men and and even women and seeing their value because a lot of times girls are – kind of, even if something does happen and they try to tell somebody, it's like, well, you must have been being fast or you were somewhere you weren't supposed to be or you did, it's your fault, you know. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of start thinking, well, maybe it is my fault. And I didn't really consider what had happened to me rape until I was with a friend in a hospital and she had been raped and I knew it. And they started explaining, well, these are the things, you know, this is what rape is. And I was like, for real? (laughs) Like, that happened to me, you know. And there was a nurse in the room, and she was looking funny, you know. So a lot of times we have just not been taught that if we say no or whatever, that there's value and power in that, that the other person has the power. And I would say again, too, this happens to men as well, but that's something that I really have tried to instill in my daughters and in other women in my life to just say how much God loves them. And so a lot of my writing is about grace, um, forgiveness, uh, shame, and there's a lot of that in Sister Faith. Just, um, I say, you know, when the pastor says with every head bowed and every eye closed, if people could peek, they'd be surprised who has their hands up. Mm-hmm. We always think it's going to be the other person, but you would be surprised. Only the pastor might know who really got their hands up. So right. there, there's a lot of this secretness that goes on. And when you turn a light on stuff like that, it kills the power of it. But mm-hmm. that darkness gives the power to it. And so it, it really, now being transformed as I look back, it's, I feel like I'm another person, so it's kind of like I'm looking at somebody else there. And I thank God for that, that he does that, that he does give us a new person. But mm-hmm. I know that those things did the, the decisions that I made and things that I did were were formed out of that thinking that I had of myself as a woman. And that's why it's really important. I mean, I had women wanting to put in stories in this book that were 80, 70 years old and had sons or brothers say, you can't say that, you know, we're not going to allow that, you know, you can't do yeah. that. And these people are, this has defined their lives, you know. So it it is something to have a true fellowship of men or women or whatever you have to be accountable to and to be able to tell your real testimony, not that how great thou art, you know, mm-hmm. fake testimony that you prepare when you're going off to speak somewhere, that you can, that they really know when you start acting crazy, they can say, now, you know what, you know what that's about, don't you? You <laughs> you, you you going off the deep end. Come on back. You know, and we need that. We and, and people can only do that when they know where you've been. And, right. and the beautiful thing about what you're doing tonight is you're being transparent 
you're not too embarrassed to talk about it. You're not too shamed to say that it did happen to you. We have a lot of women that come on this show, and so many of them say the exact same thing that you're saying about being molested and that they were raped. And it takes a lot of courage for a person to stand up and say, yes, that happened to me. Yeah. And, and, it, and you can also yeah. tell the ones that have never forgiven the other person for doing what they did, and most importantly, they haven't forgiven themselves. And I think exactly. that's where a lot of people are suffering, and, and, they're, and they're trying to come to grips with all they want is peace, and they're struggling with this thing. How were you able to forgive the parties that were involved, and were you well, angry with God because it happened? Well, you know, I have a lot of prayers at the end of the book for, you know, you got to pray for your mama, your daddy, yourself, the person, because when we're kids, we're like, somebody was supposed to be there. Where were they at? (laughs) But, you know, at the same time, um, one of our speakers, Sharon Your Foster, taught, you know, everything that happens to us is filtered through love. God does not just allow random things to happen to us. He doesn't want for bad things to happen to us, but everything that happens to us is conforming us into the image of Christ. It is making us into the person so that I could be here talking to you so that somebody who's under the the, the hear of my voice could be broken open and get, get healed for the thing. So unless a seed dies into itself, it can't grow anything. And that dying part is hard, and we would like to choose, okay, well, I only want to die this way, the quick death. (laughs) I only want to get it this way. But we really can't choose that. And so I have to believe that God's love is still in the midst of all of that. It's still there. And, And that that faith that you're talking about, is saying, you know what, yes, these things did happen to me. And I'm not saying that God wanted it, but for whatever reason he allowed it, and I'm still here. And he's still blessing me. And that person, wherever they are, I pray that he, you know, blesses them. I have a poem in the end of Sister Faith that says, Brother, I'm healed. And it's kind of a story of a woman who is on the subway and she sees the person that raped her. And he doesn't recognize her, and as he does recognize her, he looks alarmed. But then she kind of smiles like, no, brother, I'm healed. I'm praying for you. I'm good. I'm okay. So, you know, we we have nobody in this book wrote about something that happened to them 5, 10, or even 15 years ago. It was a process of a lot of time. And I know for myself, a lot of times I was like, I'm way over that. But, you know, God takes us like an onion. There's levels of a thing. We can lay out on the floor in church and think, oh, I'm through with that. I never have to deal with that again. Holy Ghost, let's go on to the next one. You know, let's let's go on. I passed that class. Mm-hmm. And then it'll come around again. And God's like, no, you took, I took you as far as you could go at that time. Right. But it's more to that. Brian, I want so to ask it's her. a gradual thing. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Brian, I want to ask another question. When... You said that the person didn't, in, 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 I don't know if it was a book or if it was a person that was raped or whatever, and they said they saw the person that did it to them, they couldn't recognize them. Mm-hmm. Brian and I were talking just the other night, and I, was, and I made a comment to him. I said, you know, when God cleans you up, there is no residue left over. No. So when you tell people about your story, they can't even imagine that something like that happened to you. No. Mm-hmm. And they can't. And and that's why I say it, because in every office, in every school, in every choir stand, there are women like me. And they dress good, they smell good, they sing good. As a matter of fact, I had an interview today, and they said, what's the one thing you could say about all the women in the book? I said, they're all very accomplished. It's almost as if what happened to us we overcompensated for it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So you would think that these going to be some people on the side of the road in a homeless shelter. No, it wasn't like that. It's the successful people often, and those are the people that just kind of fall off the deep end and nobody ever knows why. 
because they do not feel like they can. A pastor's wife doesn't feel like she can tell her stuff because that's going to be used against her. And so, you know, when you're in ministry, you're in leadership, you own a business, whatever, people just hold all that stuff in. And we have to learn that the, at the cross is level. It doesn't matter what you got. It's the same Jesus for all of us, and the blood is good enough for all of us. And people can relate to you better when they know the truth. Mm-hmm. You ain't got to sit there and glorify it and go out through it, but there is a point where we have to be able to, when we see somebody and we look at them and we know, that we can say, come here, let me talk to you. You're going to be all right. And I'm going to tell you why. Because I was you. And I'm all right. You just keep coming here. What do you need? And I say, you know, as the story from me went on, um, I got pregnant. And uh, about a week before my 15th birthday, I had a baby. My mother was that powerful black woman in the office. She sent me away to the Catholic, you know, uh, birthing place. The secret. It was all the secrets, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like, this is the story. You know, I had a story, and I was going to go back to school. Everything was going to be fine. And I was walking down the hall. They had taken the baby away, and I just wanted to see the baby, and I kind of had this jerry curl mash on one side, and I couldn't quite get my gown closed, but I was just like, I'm going to just get down this hallway. And there was these two black cleaning ladies, and they stood there and just talked about me. They were like, look at her. She's got her behind hanging out. Look at her. You know, and I was like, well, if you could just help me. That's what I was thinking in my mind. I'm just trying to get down here. If you could just help me. And one of the ladies in the book, Dr. Gail Hayes, we were talking about this four or five years ago, and I had never told anybody that story. And she said, girl, they were supposed to cover you. And your behind was hanging out all this time. Mm. Let me Let me cover you. Let me pray for you. Come here. Let me hold you. And, I mean, that just really, I was like, what you talking about? She was like, no, no, that's what we do to people. We leave them and we ask them what's wrong with them. And if they could cover themselves, they would. So don't don't talk about them. Just go and cover them. And so that is, you know, the Lord says he will be our rear guard. And I believe that he also puts people in our lives to be our rear guard. And when we're at a point where everything is just kind of hanging out, and we're just trying to make that next step, God appoints people to say, just watch out, watch out. I got this. Come on, let me cover you up. And we have to learn how to do that. It's so easy to stand back and say, look at him coming up in here like that. Look at her. But you need to ask yourself, why are they coming up in there looking like that? And what if God allowed you to see it, what does he need for you to do? <laughs> that's powerful. That is powerful, Greg. That's, that's powerful. That is powerful. You know, I want you to tell us what inspired you to become an author. That's another one. <laughs> All my life I've written. I think I wrote my first story when I was four or five years old. Because, you know, now kids got video games and all this stuff. My grandmother was old school. She was like, get a get a book. <laughs> Get a piece of paper. I ain't buying that. Just go outside and play, you know. So I sat outside and I wrote stories. And but I always thought you had to be famous to be an author. But I would always make up stories. I was journaled. I was wrote. In 2001, I thought I was having a heart attack. I thought I was dying. And uh, as my family and friends kind of passed before my eyes, all the people from those little stories did too. And I was like, Lord, if you let me get up from here, I'm sorry, I'm gonna try to do something. I'm going to try to write. And so that's pretty much what happened. I got out of that hospital. They said I was okay, and I just started writing from then. Wow. Hmm. Do you do you ever write plays or short uh, skits or whatever? Um, I have had a few ideas for plays. I have some people who have been asking me to turn some of the books into plays. And um, I'm just kind of going off into that screenwriting, playwriting thing. That's a new area. So I am in the process of learning that right now. Good, good. Because I know a lot of people are, you know, I I think we have a unique way of expressing ourselves through our words, especially a person that just struggles through some things like yourself. That is really important because there is a message 
and Brian, we like what you do because you have a, uh, a simple message for the people that read your books, and we can mm-hmm. hear that through your, your, you know, you're talking to us tonight. The interview, people can hear that you're down to earth, and they know that you mean business and you're straight to the point. But it, it's done in a loving way, mm-hmm. and the reason I'm saying that is it, in today's churches, the young people are missing that. They feel that they're being judged when they walk in the door by people who probably yeah. did far worse than them, yeah. and they don't yeah. even realize it because they have these, I'll say, traditional uh, things that they do in the church where a person joins the church and they're hungry and they want to do certain things, but they're told they have to sit down until they go to orientation. Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. lose a lot of people. I feel by you. Doing that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm not asking you know, the churches, right? No, 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 no. Well, I think, too, we have to understand that these kids that are coming up now have come into a generation where they get things fast. You know, I joke with my kids. I said, we had to wait for Charlie Brown Christmas to come on for the whole year. Y'all get 25 days of Christmas stuff coming on every day. You know, they have not had that waiting like we have, and when they find something that's good, they're ready to move. And so there's going to have to be some transition of the paradigms that we have. There needs to be accountability. There needs to be training. I feel all that. But we also have to look at the Bible and realize that nobody told Paul, you're going to have to stay here and do this. You know, God was leading him. And I say you get one of two things. You either get a mentor or you get a bush. And some people, what they get is a burning bush, and God say, take off your shoes. This is holy ground, and I'm going to mentor you. Nobody else is going to be involved. And so sometimes when we've only been mentored by people, we want to keep that and hold that over and say, well, you got to be assigned to so-and-so and your spiritual granddaddy and your spiritual mama and your spiritual cousin and all this stuff. But God doesn't have grandchildren. All he has is children. That's it. And so you have to really kind of know in the spirit how is this going to unfold because sometimes, think about if somebody had went to Paul, Barnabas had sense enough when everybody else didn't want to fool with Paul. He said, God is doing something over here. This guy, he was killing us last week. He was shooting at us. Mm-hmm. Now he's trying to come up here. So he's falling. Y'all better come on. Let's see what's going on. So... <laughs> You know, everybody has to look at what kind of spirit they have. Everybody's not a Barnabas person. And even Paul, there was a time when him and Barnabas fell out because Mark had went on a trip and then he couldn't take it and he left. And Paul was like, oh, he left once. He can't go no more. And Barnabas took him and said, look, I believed in you. I'm believing him. And eventually Mark became someone that he called his son. And he, he repented of that and said, I was wrong for that. So we have to be careful in how we judge people and our religiosity and our systems because the world is changing, but they still need Jesus more than ever. I like that word, religiosity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and it, it, it's funny you would, uh, you would cite Paul because when people think about Paul, they, they rarely remember Saul and the type of person that Saul was. Exactly. You know, Saul was the type of person, he didn't care who you were. You could have been a five-year-old. If you said, I believed in Jesus Christ, you was going to the Roman soldiers or whoever, you know. And so it was just that transformative nature that Jesus had and has for all of us that allowed Paul to become who he was. I mean, when you think about I, Paul. I thank God he came in the time he came in because I don't know if he could emerge today. Yeah. You know, I mean, when you think about how Paul was as Saul, you know, wow. I mean, there's some people out here that make make Saul look like a, you know, ice cream shop man, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, literally, but that's just that just gives you, you know, that that you got to attribute all that to God. You know, because only he can clean you up. And like what Greg was saying, when he cleans you up, there is no residue. And, no. and sometimes we're like we're like Jonah. Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh because he knew if he told those people about God, they were going to turn to God. And he didn't want them people to turn to God because they wasn't right. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes yeah, like, we, 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 
we say we praying for folk, but then when they get saved, we mad. We like, oh, so you think you just gonna come up here? <laughs> After everything you did to me, we everything is just gonna be all right? <laughs> no, you don't get the city. This my pew, you know. And that's when we get into our problem. We're like the the prodigal son's brother. We're like, I've been here all the time. I never left. And you mean he done ran off and went to the pigsty, and now he get to come back? And y'all mm-hmm. feasting for him and everything? But what you don't realize is all the time you stayed there, God was blessing you. You didn't mm-hmm. have to go to the pigsty. He took care of you every day. So that that is a hard thing because sometimes, even myself, I have to admit, I'll be like, Lord, send somebody to them. <laughs> and God, like, I sent you. And I'm like, no, I don't think you did. I think this is a job for somebody else. I can't take it. But yeah. we we have to ask ourselves, maybe we're the ones that are supposed to do it. And having that Barnabas spirit to go deal with a person who is not churchy, who is still going to have on their same stuff and still have the scars of what they've been through, but they have a heart to, to love the Lord and do the Lord's will, and God is going to use them mightily. And we miss out because we want them to look like us talk like us, walk like us, and that's not going to happen. That's a process. You didn't even come out like that. Yep. Yeah. You know, and that's the important thing. I, I think you said something that, that, that that's so important. We want people to go through the process and come out perfect, wherein, and I, when I say we, I mean I, I want to premise that some folks, want you to come out and go through the process and be perfect when you come out of the process. But when they came out of the process, you know, they had to go back in a couple times, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, cause I've seen that in some places, you know, and then Greg will know what I'm, what I mean when I say that, you know, I've seen where some people just expect you to be perfect when you come to Christ. And that's not the way that Christ set it up, you know, cause if you were perfect when you came to him, you didn't have to, you, you don't have to come. What did you need him for? You know? No, and I and I think, you know, we, we've now got this model of, you know, that it's an elitist thing. It's a country club thing. You're already this high and you're trying to come higher. And I'm like, it's a hospital. It's for the sick. Jesus mm-hmm. went to the nightclub with the publicans and sinners. And the, he didn't go over there with, with, with the Pharisees. And he's like, they're going to be all right. These folks need some help. <laughs> but you know what he could deal with about them was they were honest about it. They knew they needed some help. And that, that's the kind of person you can work with. The person that thinks that they got it together and don't, now that's the person that is a hard time. You know, so I'm like, hey, that person in the street, they one prayer away. Fifteen minutes from now, they can be in the kingdom and pass you up. But that person over there that think they got it together and you can't tell them nothing, now that's a whole nother thing. Oh, you yeah. Brother, I think we have a, I am holy. <laughs> Brian, let's go to the lines. I think, Brian, let's go to the lines. I think we have a caller that wants to uh, probably chime in or give us some feedback right. of what we're doing. Or just to speak to switchboard call. here. Let's go to... You want to try to call her in the 919? Yeah, let's try that. All right. Yeah, call her in the 919. You're on live. Hello? Is, you're talking to me? Yes. Oh, that's your <laughs> God bless you all, um, and, and God bless my sister, Marilyn. You know, she was talking in the beginning and saying basically that she was just funny. But you hear there's a lot more meat going on there than just funny. And, you know, it was Marilyn's vision that brought all of us together to be a part of Sister Faith. Hmm. And, you know, as, as one of the writers, I can say to you that, you know, you all know it's not easy showing your scars. All of us have scars because pain and rejection and shame they don't care whether you're a man or a woman. They don't care. It, they don't care whether you're black or white. They don't care whether you got money. They don't care whether you stayed in the church or out of the church. They want your life. And 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 so, 
the the word says, Revelation says that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And we're all for the blood of the Lamb, but we don't want to give our testimony. You know, we want to cover it up with robes and high heels and titles. And in order for me to to help other people, I have to be willing to show my scars. We may not smell like smoke, but, but, you know, the Lord was left with scars after his crucifixion. That's right. We all got scars. And so in order for me to help somebody else, I have to be willing to show mine. And and the other thing that I think about all the time is the Lord told us that he sent us out as sheep among wolves. Well, if I'm not a good sheep, if I don't bleat and tell people that the wolf has bitten me, then when he gets through eating me, he's going to eat somebody else. So it's important for me to tell to help the other sheep, but it's also important for me to tell to help the wolf because if I don't say anything, then the wolf never has to confront who he or she is. Wow. That's so true. That is really true. We we got a good group. (laughs) I I can tell. I can tell. I I wanted to ask the caller, did you you have a comment or a question that you wanted to say or ask to to Marilyn? Um, Just, Marilyn, just to say to you that you have done – magnificently well, and just like you are encouraging other people uh, to step into triumph, then my sister, I want you to also step into the fact that you are a a magnificent woman of God, not just a funny woman. Funny is just part of it, but you're so much more than that, and that your your honesty, um, your transparency, um, makes you of great worth and great value in the kingdom. That's beautiful. And, and I I want to say, you know, it, we talk about sisterhood and sister faith, but I also, on that note of having spiritual mothers, father, and whatever, the, of the two women in that book, I say that they are my mothers in Israel, and Sharon is one of them. So she was part of my writing journey because in that whole thing of deciding to write, it was her book, Passing by Samaria, was the first Christian book with a black woman on it that I saw. And I was like, what? I didn't know that you could do that. And she just kept writing and kept writing, and I kept going to Walmart every February. And I was like, she done did it again. What am I going to do? And God was like, I don't know. What are you going to do? So she really paved the way for so many of us and took the hit so that we would be able to be in the place that we are. So she has been a great blessing and and, and influence in my life. That is awesome. You ladies better stop it because y'all going to have Brian on here crying, and I don't want him to to get electrocuted on the the phone screaming and hollering. Hey, hey, keep it safe. Just turn, lean over to the side. And and the brother, the the brothers get to shout and cry too, you know, because yes, part part of my heart really is for men, because you know, as women, we get together and talk about these things, but we don't offer many times that balm to men, and nor do we tell our brothers, the ones who love us, who many times don't mean any harm. We don't tell them what the things that they have, they do, how it affects us. You know, little boys on school buses, they don't know that putting their hands up under a girl's skirt, you can scar her soul for life. Mm-hmm. And if, if we don't tell you all, you know, you know what I'm saying? A lot of times we just sit in the corner mad rather than coming over and saying, brother, I love you, and, and, and let me tell you this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. it's so important that you're saying that because a lot of men, we don't know how to communicate. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We, we don't know how to share our 
deeper feelings because we've never been taught that. A lot of us, I have, but a lot of men, we were never um, used or or been exposed to a man telling you that they loved you and they hugged you and that type of thing. And on the other hand, a lot of people, a lot of the men are being told as little boys, be tough. Boys don't cry. Boys don't well, yeah, cry. You know, then when you, and, Brian, and, and when you have a child that's been molested at five or six and or seven years old or however old he is, and, and, and he, you can tell that something is wrong, but the only thing that you can tell them, the advice that you can give them is be tough and men don't cry, uh, get you a girlfriend and 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 high five you when you finally have sex as a little kid or or a teenager and, that, and those are the types of things that the kids are really faced with today and it's mm-hmm. so sad. Mm-hmm. A- a- absolutely, and it's and it's been going on for for generations. And and my hope and my prayer is not just that women pick up sister faith, not just that women's groups read sister faith, but also that men do. Because there's healing and and understanding for them too. And I think it's important too for even the men, you all who are married to us, you are our brothers, our daddy. Sometimes y'all just don't know what's wrong with us. They're like, what is wrong with her? Ain't nobody did nothing to her. She just upset. She cried. You know, there are things that. You just don't understand. So I think it's also good. I, You know, I just had one man say, oh, okay, so that's what's wrong with her. I can deal with that. I can, I can work with that. I just needed some more information. I want to understand it. So I think that, you know, yes, we're healed and we move on and God does all these things, but sometimes, you know, when a thing is healing, it itches and it bothers you. It acts up. And sometimes we have these times when nobody did anything to us. Our stuff is just acting up. It's it's like when you have rheumatism and it starts raining. Something just is not right. And so we have to learn as men and women how, okay, I get it. I'm going to just give some space and, you know, at least I know what I'm dealing with. Because a lot of times what we're arguing about is not the argument. Right. It's not. Oh, I've learned that. (laughs) <laughs> I'm sure. This Greg, I have learned. Oh my goodness! We need, we need to. Have, what, what is really going on here? Yeah, Brian, we need to have a seminar, a workshop for the for the men that are about to get married, and just at least just try to tell them, okay, this is what you need to look out for because it's coming. But you know, I'll, I'll say this, Greg, and I'm gonna really say this very carefully. Use your words. Be careful with your words. Be careful. I don't think that we, even as men who have been married for a number of years, are actually qualified to know exactly when something's going to happen. Because in my personal experience with women, especially, you know, being that I'm married and I also have several women in my family, is that you never know when or where or how or who did what, said what, be careful. you could be having the best day on the planet Earth, and then everything will go awry, and you yeah, don't know what you happened. Sometimes you're the closest man. You are the, you said, thank you. She's finishing it for me. And it's you just happened to, say to that, be though. there. You didn't do anything. You just <sighs> happened to be there. Now, I'm going to ask this to the women. How are we supposed to respond? Well, you know, my husband has mastered <laughs> this smile, you know, without actually giving any response. Smart man. And Smart man. Uh, he has a certain smile that says, mm-hmm, you know, <laughs> and he'll pause and say, okay, well, I'm going to go on out here and when you're ready. <laughs> You know where I'm at. I'm not going anywhere. Is there anything I can get you? <laughs> Do you need to be alone? You know, you just have to learn some strategies. You have to put some stuff in your toolbox. And every woman is different. 
She may need some different things. Ooh. It may be you might have to keep some candles, some chocolate. I don't know what you need to get, but you need to get you some stuff. And when when you see the signs, you need to start pulling stuff out. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I think one of the things, too, is that um, we have to learn how to give our testimonies to one another. And that is even within marriage. So I'm not talking about, you know, I'm I'm determined to run on and see what the end is going to be. I mean, we have to be able to tell the truth to each other. So if I have a, a, a wound that's kicking up, I need to be able to say it to you and know that you're still going to love me. If your old wounds are kicking up, you need to be able to say it to me and know that I'm going to keep loving you and that, you know, I'm I'm still going to respect you. We haven't, as human beings, I guess, around the world, learned how to love um, maturely so that we uh, bear all things and, you know, support each other in all things. Because I think it's that having to keep the lid on it, having to keep it secret, having to keep it the lie, that makes it kick up and make us act crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dr. Gil Hayes says it's like the pressure cooker thing. You just, you just mm-hmm. cook it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and after a while, you know that little thing that used to be on your grandma's pressure cooker that just starts shaking faster and faster? It's, it's inevitable. It's just going to blow. It's going to blow at some point. Right. And I have to say <laughs> I told my testimony to my husband first, before I told it to my friends, before I wrote any books. He was the one, you know, and there's something in Sister Faith about him. Um, my heart wakens is a piece about him. And, and just, I had never, and, and I had never met anybody like that before. And he was just kind of like, what kind of folks you been dealing with? You know, <laughs> where you hanging out at? What's wrong? And, I had to say, you know, I guess he was crazy. I don't know. This is all I know. I just knew when you got in an argument, you waited for the person to get their keys and run out and come back and act like nothing ever happened. So I was like, what you mean we're going to talk? Where you, is it time for you to go? So, you know, we have to learn how to, as Sharon said, be mature and be able to say, you know, well, you know, it's just one of those days, you know, this happened and it made me think about this and, you know, that that's that's something sometimes people are like, oh, but you have to really go there. As she said, when you, if you're going to stay married, if you're going to continue to grow together, you're going to have to go there. That's that's a part of it. And so that's true. marriage that's is a true. wonderful journey, but that that's part of really getting to know somebody. Yes, you know? it is. Brian, let's go. I think we have another caller from, the, from looking at the area code. I think it's blocked. It's a 111. Trying to be a uh, Skype call. Yeah, well, but they want to, they, they're trying to get in. Hello? Yeah. Oh, hello, are you there? Hello? Yes, this is the Abundance Solutions Hour, you're live. Hi, this is Linda Bead calling. Linda Bead. Hey, I'm Linda. Hey, Dr. Linda. <laughs> I'll you. Dr. Bead, do you know, you know our guest? Yes, I do. Yeah. And Brian and I, we were in Tallahassee. We had no idea that she was that she lived right here with us. See, you are in Tallahassee. I got to talk to y'all later. <laughs> I just wanted to call in and to commend Marilyn and the contributing authors for such a fabulous, fabulous anthology. Mm-hmm. I had the honor to review the book, and I want to say that. I literally lifted off my seat with each successive story. Mm. I have probably bought, mm, I shouldn't say this on the radio, my husband will know, but I have given this book to so many people. Mm-hmm. And you. I want to commend you ladies for being vulnerable enough to show your scars because our testimonies are never our own. And when you take the stand that you are ready to show your scars, you don't realize how medicinal that is to someone else, and it becomes the healing process for those people who are still having wounds that are weeping. 
So thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, Dr. Beat, I have a question for you. All right. Has the movement started yet? I could not hear you. I said, has the movement started yet? Oh, that's a private conversation we'll have later. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that that's a conversation that that should be held in private. But thank you. But <laughs> I'll, I'll just say this: yes, it has. Thank you. Awesome. Good. There we go. Okay. <laughs> well, thanks so much for calling in. We appreciate hearing you. Thank Boy. you. God bless you all. Thank you. Bye bye. <laughs> are you all really in Tallahassee? Yes, are you we are. Really, really? We are. Yes, we are. Oh, y'all got to email me. I don't know how I missed that. <laughs> We're definitely going to get look, in contact. Look, look, we'll give you more definitive proof. I live on the <laughs> south side. <laughs> okay, well, I know you're telling the truth. <laughs> Unless you're in Chicago, people don't even say that. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Yes, yes, right. yes. We we're based in Tallahassee, and you know, small world. <laughs> it is a small world, Marilyn. We need we need you to tell us how we can pick up your book. We have about three minutes, and also, are you okay. available? Yeah, and also, are you available for speaking engagements? Yes, I am, and the other contributing authors are too. I would just say really quickly, the title of the book is Sister Faith. Real Stories of Pain, Truth, and Triumph. It is available, Barnes & Noble, Lifeway, Borders, as far as I know. Um, I haven't seen it in Walmart yet, so I don't know if it has hit Walmart. But it's also available online, Amazon, ChristianBook.com, wherever you shop, it should be available. Um, we are also uh, a church, a New Life Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina, is having a Garments of Praise conference. We had one in Tallahassee last year, and they are having one this year, and it is March 26 through 28. Uh, Sharon, who's on the line, she will be speaking. I will be speaking, and several other women will be speaking, so we would love for you to come. We have a site, um, sisterfaith, S-I-S-T-A-H, faith.ning.com, N-I-N-G, and there's about 1,200 men and women on there, and um, you can get updates and all kinds of information on that. So if you're interested in us, me speaking or any of the women or um, having a Garments of Praise conference at your church or for your organization, please do uh, let me know. You can email me at Marilyn, M-A-R-I-L-Y-N-N, Griffith, G-R-I-F-F-I-T-H, at gmail.com and you fellas please email me so I can know what y'all doing around the town. Yes we will. All right, definitely. Yes. And the other person and that's on Marilyn dot Griffith. No, it's just Marilyn Griffith at oh. gmail dot com. And if you Google my name and go to my website, there's a contact button, so Okay. Good. It's all good. good. Yes. And Brian, let's do the same let's do the same with the other caller that's on. I think she said that she had something to do in this book as well. Yes, Sharon. You want to give them your information? Okay, my name is Sharon Yule, like Jewel without the J, Foster, like foster child. Sharon Yule Foster, and I'm a contributor and one of the national speakers for Sister Faith. And Sister Faith, you can also reach it on Facebook, right, Marilyn? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, yes. Yeah, so they can also get to it through Facebook. And then um, Marilyn and I both have websites of our own because we do other books. But um, but the Sister Faith, absolutely, you can get through it through Facebook. Or if you just um, uh, search Sister Faith now, it's popping up all over the place. Yeah. Everybody still here? Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> yeah, we All right. Gotta... We got about a few minutes, a few seconds left here, Greg. I want to just thank Miss um, Griffith for coming on the show tonight. Uh, yes. Awesome, awesome. Uh, make sure you go back and listen to the show because I'm, I'm sure you said some things that you haven't realized you said, and once you hear them, <laughs> you'll be like, "Wow!" I probably don't want to know what I said. <laughs> 
So I was like, I'm not typing this, but I'm typing yet. Yeah. Uh, but I will. I'm going to send people. Um, will it be, when will it, will it be available for replay? Uh, right away. Okay, so I'll send that out tomorrow morning to the all the people on the on the Ning, and I'll send it on Facebook also. Awesome. Awesome. With that being said, you've been listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. We thank you for joining us tonight. We ask that you please go out and listen and check us out on Facebook, on MySpace, on Twitter, and all the other networking sites. Good evening. God bless you all, and good night. Good night to you. Thank you. Good night, Cher. Bye-bye. Good night. God bless you all. Thank you. Thank you.